Welcome to The Traveling Entrepreneur, the podcast for digital nomads, travel junkies, and freelancers who've built their businesses to be fully remote. We are having candid conversations about launching businesses, building the systems that we need to be fully digital, and all the adventures that we have along the way. If you are a big fan of travel, exploring new cities, and living life on your own schedule in your own terms, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Sarah Rothschild of Solo Boss Design Co. We talked about a lot about branding, especially what a lot of us are doing wrong with branding and why it is so, so important to focus on branding, because even if you don't focus on it, you still have a brand, whether you want to or not. Uh, we talk about what it's like to be a full-time digital nomad, how she saves money while traveling, and her absolute favorite places after more than two years on the road. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah Rothschild. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to you know hearing your story and seeing what you can teach us about branding and travel. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is I basically getting to talk about two of my favorite things, which is what I do and my <laughs> lifestyle. And I'm really excited to share that with your audience. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited to talk about, well, we'll get into it. But anyway, um, <laughs> if you can start by just telling us about you know what you do and what your business is. Yeah. So I like to say I'm a brand coach and designer with a wanderlust soul. Okay. And I'm really on a mission to bring more creativity and more authenticity into the online space uh, through the power of storytelling and design. So that's what I help my clients with is tapping into what makes them unique and understanding how to highlight in that, highlight that in a way that's going to build connections. that's going to inspire. that's going to attract those dream clients that everyone's after and do it in a way that's really authentic and true to who they are. What are most of us doing wrong with branding? Like what, from your perspective, <laughs> going right into it. I love it. Like not cutting it, but like, let's go ahead. I'm just, I mean, it's your expertise. I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like I'm that question just got me really excited. Cause you're like, yeah, let's get after it. So I think the first thing, like from the basic level is understanding what a brand really is, what branding's purpose really is, and making sure we understand the terms that we're throwing around are. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, the brand is really like this gut feeling you get when you interact with someone, when you see their name somewhere, when you see mm-hmm. something associated with them. So that's what a brand is at the end of the day. Branding is your strategic tool to help influence that to make sure that you're building that right connection, that you're guiding people to that feeling you want them to have when they interact with you. Because otherwise, if you don't add branding into the equation, people are going to, everyone that comes across your brand is going to form their own opinion about it. And that means that there can be a huge range, right? Like you put a hundred people in a room and said like, what do they think about Sarah? What do they think about Nicole? Like, they're going to give a hundred different answers, but if you're able to use branding in a strategic way, you're going to get answers that are way more aligned to the energy and the stories you want to be telling. Like those answers are going to be way more aligned. So that's where everything kind of comes into play. What I find people often doing wrong, I guess, when it comes to branding is probably not trusting themselves enough, like mm-hmm. getting really tied into whatever their coach is telling them to do and trying to fo- follow a strategy to a T or, you know, trying to emulate or you, not even copy, but just emulate what their coach is doing instead of taking the information they're getting, processing it, 
really embodying it, really mastering it so that they can express it in their own unique way. Because I think we get so caught up in what we're supposed to do that we forget to bring our own energy behind it. Mm-hmm. Now that makes sense. What, so I feel like I know the answer to this based on what you just said, but then does every, <laughs> does every business need a brand? Like, is this something you would say from the very, very beginning? Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's the other piece, right? Like you, you decided to do nothing. If you're like, I'm not going to worry about my brand. Mm-hmm. Then the day you have one, whether you decide to intentionally craft one or not, and you have the decision to either intentionally craft it by using strap, by using branding as that strategic mm-hmm. tool or letting it just be whatever it is, right? So at the end of the day, again, like you're gonna have one whether you decide to do it or not. So the answer is to your question is yes, 100%. And I am a firm believer that the sooner you, you know, look at branding as a strategic tool for your business, the better, the longer you sleep on it, the harder it is it's gonna be to scale and grow. Because at the end of the day, like the market is getting saturated. Like yeah. there are so many people out there that are saying the same things, five ways to get your ideal client or like three things not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But that someone can Google those answers. That's not hard. Someone can go on Instagram and find five coaches telling them the same exact thing to do, yeah. but they can't do it in your way. They can't do it in your voice. They can't, you know, bring your personality to it. They can't, you know, bring your sass. If you're sassy, like your story isn't there. Right. So that's what you have at the end to really build that no like trust like that is what you really need to do that and I think it's even more evident now as the market continues to like feel Mm -hmm. saturated and crowded it's interesting that you point out and I think rightfully so that you have the brand whether or not you intentionally craft it it's almost like subbing out branding for like reputation like you're gonna have a reputation people are gonna think whatever they think of you and you either take steps to proactively make people think that's a good reputation or it's just all over the board and they or they don't remember you which would be worse yes like have no 100%. idea who that person is yeah. 100%. That's a rep- saying reputation instead of brand is a great way to think about it. And you're right. That's too like branding is that tool, right. To help you stand out, to connect and attract and to become remembered and to have that recall. Like there's all these different tools in this branding toolkit that you have to not only be noticed once, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. so someone reads one of your posts and likes it. It's so that they keep seeing your posts and recognizing and associating it with you. Yeah. And details that you can do to bring that recall back to become remembered. And that's the power of branding because it takes more than one time for someone to say, yes, like we're not going to have one conversation. No, you're not likely just going to see one Instagram post or like listen to one podcast episode and immediately say like, yeah, I want to work with them. You're probably going to need to interact with them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And branding allows that to become something that you become top of mind to your audience. Yeah. And especially that recall of like, if someone sees something in your feed, they know it's you before they've like looked at the name or like, oh, I know, I know exactly who posted that. Yeah. 100%. And like, we can go down a rabbit hole with design stuff. Like I have a lot of opinions when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, like you want to be creating things where it's an instant thing where someone says Mm -hmm. that's associated with you and that's associated with that person that does X, Y, Z. Yeah. No, you can't say I have a lot of opinions about that on a podcast and not expect me to say, what are the opinions? (laughs) Like whether or not you wanted to go down the rabbit hole or going down the rabbit hole. Oh, I'm excited to go down this. (laughs) So in general, like, because you're starting this, what, 
what are what are you like your overall opinions on design? So I personally feel that design is one of the most underutilized strategic tools. Mm-hmm. Most people view it as a way to look nice or, you know, with tools like Canva, it's really easy to start to use that tool, but you go down this rabbit hole of using it as like an art project and something to like, as a way to get your creative outlet out there. Mm-hmm. And that's not what branding is for. And that's not how you should be using design in this case, when you're looking to build your business. If you want to go on Canva and, you know, make fun posters for your child's birthday party or an upcoming (laughs) friend's bachelorette party and like make a fun scavenger hunt list, like go for it, go nuts, go bananas. But when you're going to build your brand and you're focusing on your visual brand identity, this Mm -hmm. is a strategic tool to do those things like recall and like making people remember you to attract your ideal audience, to explain your energy and explain what you care about in an instant with just visuals. And Mm -hmm. that's the power of visual branding, but it's usually not used in that strategic way. People think going to Canva, they like, find a cool new icon and they use that for a week and then they get bored so mm-hmm, go to another yeah. one, but that's not really going to help your business. Yeah. It's finding something and staying consistent and like choosing the right colors and the right fonts or whatever, all those branding elements. That's definitely more, you know, your forte than mine, but do you think yeah. that most people should not use Canva then? Is it something that causes more harm than good or is it, what, what do you say about Canva in general? So I think it's knowing how to use it. And before we go down this thing, I just want to say one more thing mm-hmm. about your visual brand identity is that it shouldn't be boring, but implementing it should be. So okay. you should it should be fun. It should be exciting. You should love your brand identity. But when it comes to actually using it and implementing it, it should feel pretty boring because it's like, use this font, use this color, use this texture, use this type of photo. Like it's very, should be very simple and easy to use. So that's my one little thing. I just wanted to poke in there before we talk about Canva a little bit. Um, I like that though. That's an easy way to kind of like, am I having fun while I'm doing this? Then it's, I'm doing it wrong. Right. Like if it feels like a creative art project, it's probably not brand, like you're probably not using your branding to its full potential, Mm -hmm. the visual side of it. When it comes to brand or Canva, Canva is an amazing tool for small businesses. Like the fact that you don't need to hire someone like me to do every little thing is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think as a designer, I love it because I don't want to be doing those tiny little things. Like I want to be doing the strategic thinking, the creating the actual base part. So I think Canva is an amazing tool. It's misused, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's misused, like I said in the beginning where design isn't used as a a strategic tool. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember like Canva doesn't make you a designer, yeah. right? The same way, you know, using a shovel doesn't make you like someone that knows how to like be on a construction site or like even like having Adobe products, right? Like using Illustrator Photoshop, that doesn't automatically make you a designer either. Mm-hmm. It's your ability and understanding of how to use that tool for what it's made to do. And like, in this case, it's design. So you have to have a basic understanding of design principles. And when you do that again, you're going to understand why it's important to be consistent, why it's important to not change fonts every three months, why, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to stick to that color palette. It's understanding a overall aesthetic you're going for. So it's Mm -hmm. not just changing like to really grungy looking icons one week and then really clean sleek, excuse me, modern ones the next. 
So it's having an understanding of what goes into a proper brand identity and understanding basic design principles so that you can use Canva to its advantage. My caveat to all of this with Canva is to understand that you'll never be completely unique if you're relying on Canva elements because everyone has access to them. And so that's going to make that uh, recall really hard. That's going to make that standing out really hard because everyone has access to those same templates. Even if you're buying it from someone, I guarantee you probably another hundred people are buying that same template. Yeah. So it's little things like that to realize that it can serve its purpose as far as maybe that initial brand identity when you're in those early stages and serve it purpose, but it's not going to get you to that next level. And if you don't understand the basic design principles and how to leverage design in a strategic way, again, it's not going to be used to its full advantage. So again, Canva as a tool itself, amazing. I think it's beautiful for small businesses. We have to know how to use it in the right way. Yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate it. Thank you for deep diving through the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was it that ultimately attracted you to branding and how did the, what was the decision like to start your own business? You know, did you leave corporate America? Did you do this right out of like 18? What did you, what was your experience? Yeah. So I, let's see, let's see when we want to start this story. So I started, you know, out of college, got my first job, was living in Boston, um, and started working actually for a construction company and essentially was like the marketing department there and got introduced to graphic design and things like that, um, which I like started to learn a little bit in college, but really most of my skills have been on the job training as far as graphic design goes. Mm-hmm. So I was there for four and a half years. And then near the end of my time there, I was like ready for a change. I really wanted to travel. I love travel. So I was like starting to look into like, what would a year abroad look like? how would I make that happen? But that next year, all of my closest friends were like, we're all getting married. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll have, I'll stay in the States to like attend all these weddings, but this will give me a year to kind of sort out what I want to do. Yeah. So I got a new job, whatever, with the plan to quit at the end of the year. So I quit that job at the end of the year, January, 2020. Um, I have a one-way ticket to Vietnam. I go there. I'm enjoying the backpacker life had like one or two random freelancing graphic design jobs that I had picked up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then three months in three countries into this, you know, supposed to be epic around the world trip. Yeah. happens, Uh And so I have the decision to make to either stay in at this time I was in Thailand to stay or go home. And I remember I was standing on the beach. I was on the phone with my mom, like looking at a beautiful sunset and like on the ocean. And I was like, I think I'm just going to stay like worst case, like if I have to quarantine, whatever it is, at least I get Mm -hmm. to do it on a beach with sunshine. Like, right. Especially you're already there. You're not like, hopping on a plane. exactly. I was like, great. I'm just going to stay. Well, we all know the story of COVID two weeks is however long now <laughs> lost track of time it's like that so, yeah. we all thought it'd just be over yeah, anyway yeah we're like oh just gonna well clearly that's not happening um yeah so I was in Thailand and became more and more evident that you know obviously nothing was really going to change but that also I wanted to stay I wanted to keep traveling I didn't want to like give up this lifestyle like I mm-hmm. loved it so much And before I started traveling, I had in my mind, like, okay, after this year, maybe I'll find somewhere to settle down. Uh, Maybe it's abroad. Maybe I'll figure out the freelancing thing a bit more, be more serious about it. 
but because of COVID, I was like, well, I'm just going to do it now. So yeah. I started to like go all in. So this was the beginning of, you know, end of 2020 was like, okay, like this is something I really want to do. So started like thinking about it a bit more and was really starting to look at, okay, like what with graphic design do I really want to do? And that's when I really started to fall in love with branding and the branding process. And I love it so much because it's like this explosion in like just really tapping into really being authentic and like this unfiltered expression of who you are. And I think it's so cool. And I think it's such a strategic tool. There's just so much depth to it. And there's so Mm -hmm. much you can do with it from a strategy point of view to translating that strategy into design. And that's when I really started to fall in love with it, where it was like, I got to use my brain a lot and really do strategic thinking Mm -hmm. from everything from messaging to positioning to then actually, again, translating it into design and really solving problems for people, not just yeah. making things look nice. So that's when I really started to fall in love with branding and get really serious into it. And then in January, 2021, I hired my first coach and joined a coaching program again to be like, okay, like how do I actually build a business? Right. Not just like say I do graphic design and started diving into that. And then this past May is when I actually launched uh, my business. So that's kind of the full spectrum of everything. And yeah, I love it so much. I mean, that's interesting that you were already remote and travel full-time when you launched. That's so unusual. So I was going to ask. Yeah, I did it a little backwards. (laughs) Yeah, my next question was like, how'd you decide to go all all in travel? But obviously that was already the case. So are are you still traveling? Is that, where are you now? Yeah, so I was in Thailand for a year and a half. And then I went to Bali for four months and then I went home in November, um, till the mid February, just to see fam- family, friends, went mm-hmm. to bachelorette party, all that fun stuff. Um, did a trip with my mom in California, which was great. Oh, nice. And then, yeah. And then I just got to, uh, Peru, uh, last week. So okay. I, yeah, so I'm going to be in Peru and South America, Central America until a friend's wedding in July. And then from there see where I want to go. So it's kind of like slow travel, I guess, where like a couple of months in any given place. So you can kind of see and have some time to like get to know the culture and the people. And that's nice. So you're not constantly living out of a suitcase. Yeah, definitely. I think what my, like the earlier part of travel and like getting stuck in Thailand really showed me is slow travel is Mm -hmm. the absolute best. Like even spending one month somewhere doesn't feel like that much time. And especially like as I'm working and usually working like during the week and then it's like weekends are time to explore. You just realize like there's no rush and like I can go at whatever pace I want and really enjoy places, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like a bad dash to see as many things as possible in two days. It's okay. Like this is my neighborhood. Oh yeah. Like this is the spot I want to go to for breakfast every morning or Mm -hmm. like this is the place I want to go for a workout. Like there's cool places to go for walks and it's just a really cool way to really experience a culture. Mm -hmm. Do you, as you're kind of talking about your neighborhood and your places, like, do you feel that you have the chance to build a sense of community wherever you are or like make friends? How does that work for you? Yeah. I think it's all dependent on like what you want to do, like what Mm -hmm. you want to make of it. So where I'm staying right now, I'm actually staying in a hostel, but it's like really nice hostel. It has like co-working spaces. It's 
Mm -hmm. um, like full of options. I have a private room, all this stuff. And they have activities every day. So like after this call, I'm going to go do a belly dancing class actually (laughs) and see what that's like. Yeah. It's really cool. And like, they have like free walking tours and things like that. Mm -hmm. So like I did one of those last week, I've been doing some yoga classes here. There's always people around. So it's really easy to, it's just super easy to meet people. There's always activities going on at night. So that's the benefit of staying in a place like this. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend like a party hostel if you're trying to do work, but you can find the right types of hostels that have this type of environment. Um, this one's called Selena. They have hostels all over the world. So if anyone is curious, mm, okay. it's a great one to look into if you're trying to do like working. It's a little pricier than other hostels, but mm-hmm. it's worth it to like have solid Wi-Fi and things like that. Yeah. And then also you can totally find digital nomad meetup groups. Like when I was in Thailand, I would go to co-working spaces. Same thing within uh, a little less in Bali just because there was like, because of COVID stuff, it wasn't as easy to do. Yeah. Uh, when I there but there's always like digital nomad meetups different co-working spaces host different events so again it's what you want to put into it because like Mm -hmm. you can I find like with solo travel you're only solo or alone if you decide to be alone like yeah from day one when I started traveling I met someone my first night out we traveled together three weeks straight we met up again together in Thailand like we lived together when we were in Thailand for years like or not for Uh for months yeah. Like you have, you get to decide when you want to be alone. Like if I don't want to hang out with people, that's my decision, but yeah. if you find ways to meet people for sure. It's like forced for you to be forced into being extroverted if you weren't already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thrown into the deep end. What are, in your opinion, what are some of like the best and the worst things about being like a full-time traveler, digital nomad? I think the best is getting to like experience things and it just be your normal day-to-day life. It's not like this big event, which is really cool because, you know, I get to work during the day, go for a walk and just go see something I've never seen before and experience mm-hmm. something I've never experienced before. And it's such a cool feeling. I think the downside is actually, no, one more benefit I think is actually having less stuff. It's actually oh, really nice. Yeah. I imagine. I, yes. Yeah. It's actually nice. I actually enjoy it. I would say the downside is honestly having to get water that is probably the biggest downside depending on where you're at huh, is like okay. having to buy like jugs of water a lot of times we'll pay you can fill it up but it's just one of those things that's like us a pain in the ass to have to like think about water mm-hmm, uh, yeah because you can't like just drink from the tap and say that is usually an annoying annoyance um let's see what else you know not too much else because i think it just depends on your person like some people feel like they need to be more like connected to home and things Mm -hmm. like that for me I find like there's so many ways to stay connected through technology which is great and then hopefully now with you know COVID restrictions it'll be easier for people to come visit but yeah overall it's just it's a cool lifestyle I think you have to be disciplined you have to you know, use a calendar like that <laughs> is hundred percent necessary. Like you can't do anything without a calendar. You need that to navigate time zone differences, mm-hmm. to just keep yourself on track to schedule in fun. I do that because it can really get caught up in the work, but remembering mm-hmm. to go explore and go see the places that you're at. Yeah. Did anything really surprise you when you got into full-time travel? I think the thing that probably surprised me was 
you know, you meet all of these people and in a way we're all very like-minded, right? We're all travelers and we're all like kind of experiences, like interested in freedom and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we're all from such different walks of life, like all different corners of the world, different education backgrounds, different job backgrounds, different mm-hmm. life circumstances. Um, so it's been really interesting, interesting to meet such a wide variety of people that also still have this really strong piece that's tying mm-hmm. us together. And this is this love of travel and like experiencing new things and desire for freedom that seems to kind of tie us all together, mm-hmm. which has been super interesting. Uh, and then from the more like practical side, I think it is understanding that the work-life balance is still tough because yeah. you're still, especially if you're your own business owner, like if you're maybe if you're working remote for a company, it might be a little bit easier. But I think if when you're your own business in general, work-life balance is hard because it's hard to turn off and it's hard to not be in your business all the time. And it's hard when you see a beautiful sunset or like you, you know, meet friends one day mm-hmm. in the common kitchen and they're like, oh, do you want to go do X, Y, Z? And you're like, I can't, I got to get this done. And the only person that can do that for you is you because you don't really have a boss anymore. So that's (laughs) like the interesting thing you don't think about is that work-life balance is actually still very difficult. Do you have any, this is actually, I wanted to ask this. So do you have any sort of daily routines, weekly scheduling, you know, do you block, block content? Like how do you structure your day to kind of minimize that? So you do have some more work-life balance? Yeah, 100%. So I will, this is stuff that I've learned from different mentors and things like that, that I've kind of like fused in from, you know, tips and tricks that they've given me to make it my own. Mm -hmm. So I try to do like Friday, block out a set of time to review the pre this week. So I can see, okay, like what worked, what didn't work. And then also schedule out my upcoming week. And I will put on there fun activities. So I'll put on there like the belly dancing class that I'm going to do mm-hmm. tonight, the, any free walking tour that I want to do. If there's some sort of weekend adventure, I want to like do this com- next weekend. I'll put that on my calendar first, any like workout, whatever it is, I'll put that on the calendar first and see where things are lining up. Then I'll go through, okay, like what client work do I have to get done? Any content creation, whatever it is and get that on the calendar. And when I do the fun things first, I can see like, okay, I'm going on a long weekend trip. That means I'm not going to be working Friday or maybe I'm even leaving Thursday. So that means I have to kind of overload work a little bit on the rest of the week. And I can see that Mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm doing the fun thing later on. Yeah. And then I also just make sure there's only certain days that I'm taking calls. So it's not, you know, every day of the week. So I leave Monday and Friday. I don't do calls those days because again, Mm -hmm. if I'm traveling, I don't want to have to worry about any phone calls. So I'll block those days. You can't book a call with me. So little things like that, just to make sure that you're protecting your time and also reminding yourself that you're human. You can't just be in your business all the time. Right. Yeah. (laughs) With, uh, with what you're doing, you know, long-term travel, how do you, do you have any kind of tips for doing that without breaking the bank? Like any budget hacks or anything like that? Yeah. So there's tons of ways to do this. It depends on like what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to do long-term travel, not working at the same time, mm-hmm. that was actually most of the people I met in the first stages of my trip were just backpackers staying at hostels, super affordable, depending on like the type of hostel you're staying at. 
to like, especially if you're in Asia, like Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. super easy to do it on a really good, like easy budget. Like most people I met abroad that were there for, you know, maybe not quite the two years, but at least a year weren't making a single dime the entire time they were there. They were just purely backpacking. So staying at hostels, you can do workaways and volunteering. Um, I did that once I did a, I volunteered at a hostel for a month. So I was like the person to take people out at night, kind of like mm-hmm. doing pub quizzes, all that type of stuff. A lot of the hostels, you'll be able to do community kitchens. So you don't have to go out for every meal though. In places like Asia, going out is usually cheaper than actually cooking your own food. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So there's, there's tons of ways. I know I've never done it. I know other friends have done couch surfing. Uh, there's ways to do that. Uh, you can, you know, look on Airbnb and find places, but then negotiate off of there. So if you like find them, you can maybe message them and like, Hey, I'm going to be there for a month. Like, is there any way we can work something out? Um, if you're looking at apartments, I highly recommend waiting until you're actually there. Cause you'll probably be able to meet someone that maybe can communicate better with the people and you'll get a better deal that way as mm-hmm. well. And then of course, just doing it slow, that is going to save you a lot of money. Yeah. It never occurred to me that you could bargain with Airbnb, but yeah, of course you can. <laughs> you can do yeah. It. A lot. I know a lot of people, you can't, you probably can't do it. Like you can't do it right in there, but if you can connect with them somehow, you can usually get a better deal. Okay. And then before I get into like some, you know, quick rapid fire questions, yeah. what are like the best places that you've been? Ooh, well, what do you I, recommend to like everybody? So I would say if you want to like true, like backpacker experience, like kind of a little gritty, like Vietnam is amazing. It's such a cool experience because everyone you that goes, you either start in the North, um, in Hanoi or the South in Ho Chi Minh. And it's pretty much like a straight line of like this, like backpacker trail. Mm-hmm. So the people you meet, like your first night, you're going to kind of like keep meeting along the way. And then you get into the middle of the country and you kind of, these groups mix a little bit, and then you kind of like go back on your way. And it's such a cool experience. So just, it's a really, if you've never done any backpacking, mm-hmm. it's a really easy way to do it and get out of your comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a cool thing to do. Thailand holds a special place in my heart now after being stuck there and living there for a year and a half. Yeah. So if anyone is curious about Thailand, just shoot me a message. I know at the end we'll share my like contact information, but I went to the most Northern point. I was down to, like, I did that country very well. So mm-hmm. if you have any questions can definitely um, share some details on that. And then the last place I went like during that two year travel stint of my, like, you know, first mm-hmm. time long-term travel the last four months was in Bali. That one was, it took me a little bit to adjust to Bali. I would say like Thailand, cause I was so used to Thailand mm-hmm. and the vibe was a little different in Bali as far as like the expat community and the people that were there. So it took a little bit longer to kind of feel meshed in. But once I did, Bali is a beautiful country. Like everything there is like epic. That is the only way I can describe it. It's just like bigger and more like awe-inspiring. So that's, it's an amazing country as well. But yeah, I've, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say the few people I've talked to who've been to Bali, I always say like, is it as gorgeous? Is it a, like, it can't possibly be as beautiful. And like, it, it actually is like, it's, it's like yeah. a movie. Yeah, for sure. It really is. And yeah, so that's like my like two year travel stint. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to other places too. I'd say Croatia and Italy are probably two of my other favorite places for people to visit. I've heard Croatia a few times, so yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, if you give me a ticket to anywhere, I will go. <laughs> like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not picky. I want to see the whole world. Uh, okay. So what is a tool or an app that you need to be able to stay remote? Like what's the most important tool or app in your business? Google calendar, 100%. Okay. Is that how you schedule stuff too? Not just for yourself, but like with clients? Yep. Google calendar and zoom those two together. Oh, that, and okay. I'm going to say free now. So okay. Cal Calendly to actually schedule things with clients mm -hmm. so that so they can, I can send that to them. I don't have to think about time zones. They can take care of that. Find the time that works for them. Mm -hmm. Google calendar to actually put it on my calendar and zoom to actually have the calls. So though that combination of those three is amazing. And then you kind of talked about general tips, but do you have like a hack you consider like a travel hack that you've discovered? Ooh, you know what? I am not good at travel hacks. I know so many other people are like, this is a great travel hack. And I'm like, Oh, I never even thought of that. So honestly, I'm not good at travel hacks. Okay. Fair um, enough. So that's just not my forte, but if I can probably point you to someone who has a travel hack for you. Okay. Um, what is something that you've learned about yourself since starting uh, your business? Ooh, okay. I don't think I can say one thing because I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that starting your own business is the biggest mirror you will ever stand in front of. Oh boy. And it's like, yeah. ooh, I like, I don't, that would be a whole other podcast, just talking about the lessons learned from like starting my own business. Mm -hmm. So that's really, I would say the biggest lesson is that it is a mirror. Um, it's going to test you never thought it's going to push you in directions you never thought were possible. You set out to like, just do something you enjoy. And all of a sudden it's a journey of self-discovery. Like that is really the biggest lesson out of this whole thing. Agree. <laughs> uh, okay. And what is the best thing about working for yourself? Oh, getting to do what I want, not only, um, when my, in my free time and deciding mm -hmm. what my free time is, I mean, getting to live from any, anywhere, but working with people that I actually want to work with, mm -hmm. like, I don't just have to take a job because it's a job or because my boss told me how to do it. Like I get to work with people I actually want to work with. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay. So if people want to work with you, where can they find you? Yeah. The best place is Instagram. You can find me at solo boss design co. Mm -hmm. Um, you can always email me at Sarah at solo boss design co, but Instagram's great. You can shoot me a DM right on there. Uh, any questions I have for anyone that is, you know, really a service provider, you're looking for support with creating content. I have a offer right now. It's called Crusher content, goes through different types of content to create and then how to actually create it. So the design aspect, the structure, the captions, utilizing storytelling. Uh, so basically not just here's five things to post this week, but here's how to do it once and do it continually um, throughout however long you have your business for. So really excited about that. But yeah, any questions about digital nomad life, about branding, whatever, feel free to shoot me a DM. Awesome. Great. And I'll put all of that in the show notes for this as well. People want to find you. Perfect. So thank you so much. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is awesome. All right. <laughs> have a great one. You too. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, if you are not already, please do follow the podcast on Instagram at Traveling Entrepreneur Pod, and I'll see you next week. Yay!